Welcome to Room for Growth, a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Room for Growth. Today, Billy and I, were we were uh, just having a conversation and prep about email and, and SMS, and I revealed a... I was almost kind of ashamed to reveal the fact that I'm a chronic unsubscriber of marketing emails, which sounds so just hypocritical given what we do every day. But it's it's not fully true, Billy. Like I have certain ones that I allow to continue to enter my inbox, but I am just ruthless. And I was just asking you, like, well, tell me, like, do you think frequency works? Because some of these these companies that are sending me an email every day, I just can't take it. And so I'm overly protective. It's interesting. I'm overly protective about my inbox and email and a little bit more flippant about my SMS kind of, you know, the messages that come via text. So I don't know. Are you you want to jam on this today and like start talking yeah. about kind of some of our favorite messages? Yeah, definitely. I think Billy, you and I are both in a little bit of a spicy mood where we're opening email. <laughs> I mean, January is kind of dead month for email just a little bit like coming off the holiday season. It tends to be a month where email performs the least and also people unsubscribe just because they're like cleaning up. I am the opposite. We spent all our money. Yeah, all our money's gone. Please stop asking <laughs> us to buy things. Right. It is not spring yet. You can send me all the like spring dresses you want. I might buy one for a wedding that's coming up, but like just stop it. But yeah, I think there's a lot to critique in the world of email. There are some brands who are doing awesome things and their content seems relevant all the time. So we will probably have some spicy takes today. Call out where we think brands need to just level up on some of their basics. Maybe we try to keep our critiques relative to the size of the brand because there's a certain yeah. amount of maturity that we expect from really big, really data-driven, hyper-connected brands. And you know, maybe we cut a little bit of a break to some of the smaller brands, but there's just some things that are like absolutely table stakes. So I think we dig into that a little bit today. Yeah. And what's funny is I actually, when we were talking about this, I was saying that some of my f- favorite emails are from the smaller brands and may, you know, like I'm a subscriber to the golfer's journal, those emails I don't unsubscribe for. Those are like a, that's like a, a passionate golfer kind of magazine uh, community. And they're like super relevant to me. And so I, part of what I was wondering is, is it easier for a smaller brand? Cause they know their audience so well that they don't, but a brand like DSW who is uh, that I was mentioning, you know, they have a lot of different types of customers. And so personalization becomes even harder unless they have the right systems in place. And so I got to say, I unsubscribed to DSW's emails because it just was, you know, I don't want to have a shoe email in my inbox every single day. It's not right for me. So I don't know. What do you think about any reactions to that? Totally. I think the nice thing about small brand emails is generally the amount of lift and effort that has to go into sending every single email from a small brand, it's just going to take some work. So they're going to be thoughtful about it. They are probably not automating an email every single day that's templatized where the assets are just flown in from like a headless CMS and they've got some kind of basic content algorithm that's still feeding you something generic. And then similarly, their voice is going to be much more authentic to who they are as a brand. But because they're a small brand, you are going to feel really connected to them. So that voice is going to feel resonant. And I think there's a lot that big brands could take from the email strategy, the frequency of it, the intensity and the voice 
that should be kind of best practice. I mean, of course, there's lots of small brands that send absolutely horrible emails and like they're too often or they're, you know, just generally bad. Ugly. But yeah, yeah, but I agree when I get an email from my local jeans store telling me there's a sale or they have new stock, I'm much more likely to open it just because I always appreciate what they have yeah. to offer. It's small, it's curated. So let's get into it. You're definitely, we don't need to acknowledge that you're definitely more of the email pro than I am. And so I'm curious, you know, being an email pro, what are you impressed with? What are some of the brands that, that you really are impressed with their strategy? Because I think you've seen a lot, you've done a lot, you've advised a lot of clients. It takes probably a lot to impress you. So let's hear it. Totally. And I think part of it is my tolerance for SMS and push is significantly lower. I hate the distractions. I'm very ADHD. So if my phone is texting me and I need to like clear out those messages or clear out the notifications, it drives me nuts. But like email, I just love. I let it accumulate and it's fine. But okay, you want to start with who I think is doing a great job in email in particular. All right. Number one, let's start with just my constant favorite. I think they do a great job. Their frequency can be a little too high sometimes. But generally, I love Zillow. I think Zillow does a really interesting job in how they personalize their messages, either to your zip code or geography, or some of the preferences that you give them. Zillow, when you like a house or like give it a heart on their app, it will ask you, why did you heart this house? You can tell it's like size or it's style or whatever it is that drew you in. And then they'll curate their emails to either be like, right now I'm looking at both renting and buying in several different markets. And they'll curate based on those things. Mm -hmm. They'll send me rentals. They'll send me homes to buy based on the very different criteria that I like. So I think Zillow does a really great job automating personalized content and recommendations about like new houses coming on the market. They seem really in touch to the reasons people might want an email about houses or apartments coming for rent. And then I just think the way that they personalize is pretty great. They probably send a little too much, but yeah, worth it. Yeah. And as you were talking, I get some emails from them. It's kind of like market report. It'll have in the subject line, my zip code, you know, and zip code with market report. And it's a, a super relevant email to, you know, what are the values of the homes trending like in my zip code? And yeah, super personalized. It's not just some blanket general email of here's the houses for sale within a 70 mile radius, which, you know, would be a much easier batch and blast strategy. So I can get behind that. Totally. Yeah. Great example of like, you're not looking to buy a house right now, but they still send you content that feels relevant enough that you occasionally click it and their brand stays top of mind for you yeah. because it's valuable. So I that's like a good that. one. I can get behind that. A shout out. Sometimes I hate this brand and sometimes I love their messaging. <laughs> I'm in a love stage with them right now. BarkBox. So I subscribe to BarkBox for my dog. He's a French bulldog. And I think that their email strategy is good in a couple of regards. It is pretty fun. It's fun to get notified when a box is on its way. But more than that, where I think they do an awesome job is with upsells. So they are really good at telling you, we're just about to like pack your bark box. And again, a bark box is like a curated box of toys and treats for your dog. They're pretty fun toys. They're really innovative in the toy game, which is why I pay for, I think I pay a kind of unholy amount of money for this box every month. (laughs) Same here. We also get a, a bark box. So yeah, I'm with you. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm not alone here and like being kind of bougie. But I like that when they're getting ready to pack the box, they always send me different items that I could add to that box. And that's a great upsell strategy. They say, do you need dental chews or do you need vitamins specifically for your type and breed of dog? There's this extra toy that you could add, like super smart. It feels really fun. It's like a $10 upsell usually. 
So it's a good price point. I like that. And then I also love that they curate content to me based on my dog's breed. I say this all the time that if you can personalize around pets and the breed of pets, people will be immediately attracted to that content. Yeah. Super personal. Quick aside, this is like, we should talk about this on another episode. But one of the things I was thinking about is that 2023 is going to be the year of brand partnerships. It's been brewing and brewing of like, and I I saw this at CES, Delta and Starbucks had a booth together and they were super partnering. BarkBox has one of the best like licensing brand partnership strategies I've seen in a while where an entire box will be themed. They had a Jurassic Park theme when the when the Jurassic Park movie was coming out they had a wrestle WWE wrestle theme you know where all the all the toys were wrestlers and so if you're look a brand out there looking to partner with uh, and how to get your characters out there nothing's better than some dog toys and barkbox does that awesome job whoever's running licensing for them well done well done yeah agreed but let's go to the other side of yeah. partnerships because there's partnerships that are fun and you're like oh what a great dual benefit that I you know, check into my Marriott hotel and I get some Uber points or I use Uber and I get Marriott, whatever. Then there's others. So Frontier Airlines, going to call you out. I have never flown on Frontier Airlines. (laughs) I did at one point purchase plane tickets for my niece and my father to travel together to come to DC. The airport they're flying out of was small and regional. And so Frontier was like the best option. That's the only time I've ever purchased Frontier tickets. And they now send me credit card offers <laughs> regularly. Yeah. I don't want your credit card frontier. I just don't. You should know better. I've made one purchase with you. It wasn't even for myself. I am not flying on your airline enough to yeah. deserve that offer. And second of all, all Frontier Airlines emails are so content confusing. It's just like their checkout process. Like yeah. they get critiqued for how confusing it is to try to buy tickets and seats and baggage and all of these things. And it's it kind of feels, you know, almost a little scammy. And then their email feels exactly the same way. It's almost hard to read. Yeah. Well, theoretically, they should know that you purchased a plane ticket for someone else, not yourself. And so in that scenario, a gift card email would be much more of a kind of impactful, Mm -hmm. relevant email uh, strategy, at least to start. So. Yeah, that makes sense. We need sound effects like womp, womp. Uh, yeah. Womp, womp. <laughs> We've not quite hit it that big yet. So we, we before we get sound effects. All right. What else? I had, well, I had one on the, on the bad list. I recently bought some stuff from Sur La Table. I, some, I've heard some people pronounce the, the table in that brand very fancy. So I'm not sure, but I, I say it like a, a Midwestern Sur La Table. But they're a, like a kitchen. They do cooking classes, but they also sell. We bought some some kitchenware there. And what they do really well is I bought a knife there, like a really nice chef's knife. And in the, the an email, they had that brand of knife in kind of other. I bought like a chef's knife and then they were trying to upsell me a, a bread knife in that same exact style. The problem is... They then email me every day. I was looking through my inbox when we were preparing almost sometimes two times a day. And there's a, over a long period of time. And that is just overkill. I would love like to know what their unsubscribe strategy and data looks like because I don't want to see plate promotions and knife promotions twice a day. It's just, it's totally. way too much. And so looks like they're doing a good job with some personalization, but frequency, man, I'd love to know the data behind kind of some of the decisions there. Yeah, I have a whole host of e-commerce call-outs. Let's just get going. I'll try to hit these ones really fast. 1-800-CONTACTS. 
if I just bought contacts, I don't need six months of contacts. I just bought them. (laughs) Be a little smarter with what you're asking me to do next. Shepler's, this is a small brand. They're a country Western Outfitters brand. And I just bought women's boots from you. It was a first purchase ever from your brand. So I expect better from your onboarding experience to then sending me offers to buy two men's shirts for the price of one. I get that you have a sale. I don't want men's shirts, not even close. (laughs) So terrible onboarding experience. And then my least favorite, cigars.com, you have to quit. I bought (laughs) a gift. I do not smoke cigars ever, literally ever. I made purchases from them approximately five years ago as gifts for my spouse. And I have never purchased from them since. And they have sent me five emails in the last two days, Billy. Five. They're overstocked on cigars and they're trying to move some product. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. You need to sunset your inactive audience. Yeah. Call us. We can help. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of country western, I mentioned on the outset that, yeah, I'm a, I'm pro SMS. I find a lot of value from, and maybe it's because I'm not as flooded with SMS promotions where it's not as overwhelming, but there's a brand, and now this is another pronunciation challenge, Takavas, which is a kind of a new D. Am I saying that right? Do you have any idea? You don't, I don't know. You're close enough. You're close enough. It's in Austin, Texas. I bought, uh, they're kind of like a Yellowstone co-sponsor, all that stuff. I bought some boots from them and really like the brand. They sell apparel. And all of their SMS strategy is pretty personalized to the type of stuff that I would generally buy. And it's usually selective and comes with a a fairly significant offer or new product release. So one of those ones I open and get intrigued by. So yeah, it's funny that we share in our... That's that's on brand with our Billy names, those country Western type of uh, (laughs) country Western (laughs) love. Oh no, (laughs) send us back. That's a good one. I will say that on the push SMS front, Wegmans, I love you so much. I only shop for groceries from your store and I love to order online. I love that you have like fast delivery. Thank you. You are, I love you. So I'm sorry to say though, that your service messages are absolutely awful. I do not need when an item is out of stock for the person shopping for my items to send me an SMS and a push notification every time they send a message saying like, what about this item instead of that one? Like, Oh, like a swap, like while they're shopping? Yes, 100%. So while they're shopping, if they need to swap an item, which like love that feature, it's so nice to be able to have a conversation with a shopper who's delivering your food about what your preferences are. Absolutely perfect. But right now it sends both a push and an SMS every time a message goes back and forth. And it's just like absolute chaos on my phone. Yeah, because those are both kind of time sensitive messages, correct? Like, you, is that what it is? You need to decide if you want to change or, or approve. Is that yeah. how, how it mm-hmm. works? Yeah, it is 100%. Yeah, I just don't need both. And so the right channels both. Yeah, that's that's interesting. This is probably where like a preference center can go a long way to, okay, Absolutely. where do I want time sensitive messages to come? And you could, you you know, Sure, I guess you could pick both in that scenario, but likely you can customize, send me promotions and email, but send me time-sensitive messages via a text message. Yeah, an absolutely use case where I'm like happy to engage in an, in a text message and an SMS conversation. That's why that channel is so awesome and can be, but it's just the duality of it where it's like, just, yeah. we just need to like fix the governance of how those yeah. messages are segmented. You know why I think this is happening? Because we are talking to a lot of big companies and the the bigger the corporation and company, the more complex this gets. 
And I'm, I'm noticing that in large organizations, it's more likely where different messaging is spread across multiple departments where IT might be in charge of in-app messages. And then one marketing department's uh, you know, new customer acquisition, they've got their own set of message priorities. Then customer care runs those types of messages you were just referring to. And like, there's no unified strategy. It's just pure madness where it's 100%. a bunch of like, big yeah. company siloed stuff. So, gosh, digital leaders, you know, f- keep fighting that fight to unify the mess. I, it's, I know it's easier yeah. said than done, but that it is so worth it from a customer experience standpoint. Yeah, I can't tell you about anything that just ruins my day more than when we are doing some kind of like consulting or strategy project on what the future state messaging and user journey should look like, especially for a huge brand. And then we learn something like they maybe use like the Adobe Stack or Braze for their messaging, everything except their transactional messages. And so here's what I mean. What I mean is they send their marketing messages, things like here's a new product or here's an upsell or here's something you use, here's news, here's events, here's whatever it is from one system. But then the most important messages they send, keep in mind, like a marketing message probably has somewhere in the range of a 10 to 30% open rate, maybe a 2% click-through rate, somewhere in that range. But then they're transactional messages. So the messages people care most about, things like you just purchased a train ticket or a plane ticket, you just provisioned an account, you signed up for a free subscription. Those come out of a totally different system that's usually set up by IT and therefore they're hideous. Those messages are opened at like 80, 90% and the click-through rate tends to be extremely high. If those messages are not being run by your marketing department in a way that you are tailoring the message and you're thinking about how to re-engage people and getting the most out of them, like such a lost opportunity, please stop siloing them. Let us help. And it just comes like, this is where like the, you know, if you're running marketing and messaging, you have to be very particular about all the, the fine edges. And I think about some of our colleagues, I have one colleague that I work with when we're reviewing a deck, he is like literally reviewing every word and kind of nitpicking it and, and thinking about it. And sometimes the lazy part of my brain goes, like, are we overthinking this? And I think that would be what would be easy for a marketer to say, are, oh, well, transact, nobody cares about transactional receipts and whatever. Are we overthinking this? But no, like that's what really, really thinking about those fine edges and mm-hmm. perfecting it is what changes a customer's perception of your brand and, and the overall experience that they have. So that's a totally. little bit of a, like a high horse kind of moment that I just had. But yeah. It's important. It's also so common. I mean, people get, I get a lot of questions about why we love Braze so much. And one of the answers is really simple. It's one of the only platforms available in market. It's a good platform. It's not perfect. There are definitely things that we constantly give Braze feedback where we say, hey, here's how we could be improving and making this feature better. And they usually take that feedback really seriously. But the thing that they do right is they take every owned channel that you could send a message on, email, push, in-app message, SMS, things like content cards and pop-ups, and they're innovating in this space. And they make sure that you can build drip campaigns and journeys that utilize every one of those channels from a single platform and allows you to like optimize and personalize which messages go to which people on which channels. And that's just critical. For instance, Adobe doesn't generally have like an in-app message feature. So almost always, if you're a huge brand and you want to have some kind of in-app mailbox feature, you're going to have to build, build that in a custom way yeah. or get a different tool to be able to do it. And it's immediately just a thing that the amount of time, effort, labor, understanding, cognitive lift that goes into understanding the impact of those dreams 
and then it really, really fractures the user yeah. experience. It just, it like makes my stomach hurt yeah. just a little bit yeah. every single time. Is that Braze calls that the kind of environment you're referring to? That's what they call canvas. Is that right? Yeah. So there's lots of different terms for this. There's sort of like journey builder, journey optimizer. Yeah. They call them canvases because it's like a, you know, the canvas where you would paint and you would yeah. drag and drop all different sorts of messages. There's all kinds of nuanced terms that different types of e-commerce platforms use or engagement platforms use to describe the same feature. But it's basically, what do you want the series of messages to be and across which channels and like which types? So, yeah, but basically all similar concept, assuming the maturity is the same. Love it. Any other, uh, one, another email star, you know, since I've been, I've been a little negative. I wear a whoop band, you know, it's like a fitness tracker and their email strategy. You know, I've been complaining about frequency. We haven't talked about a lot about visual and I would say whoop does an amazing job visually or I open up an email and I'm always kind of captivated by the visual appearance of their email. There might be new product offers that, you know, you can like buy like different style bands and they kind of, they always, they let the product kind of speak for itself, but they do a nice job of blending really new product releases, really good content, and maybe some personalized content about your own kind of data that, you know, they have access to more data than you can ever imagine. And uh, so, yeah, so, so shout out to Whoop. They, I think they do a good job. That's a nice one. Okay, I will finish out. I have a couple. All right. Delta, as always, when you tell me that my suitcase is on a plane, I just, I love you. Thank you, yeah. Delta. You always send me the best push notifications. Oh, yeah. You tell yeah. me when it's time to go to the gate. They are so perfectly timed. I'm always impressed. Spotify, I love you, but I have to call you out just a little bit. You know that I listen to Zach Bryan in the top like point something percentage of fans. Why couldn't you have told me faster? that his tour tickets were going to drop in the age of ticket disasters for concerts. Um, I think Spotify has a real opportunity to just scream at me with your messaging. When you know a tour is about to drop, like that would be such a nice feature. Thank goodness I was just watching Zach Brown's Instagram the day his tour was announced and got in line for tickets for that. You said Zach Brown. You mean Zach Bryan or Zach Brown? Oh, yeah. I'm just using my like country accent right now. I'm just like really <laughs> hauling out the ends of those sounds. I mean, Zach Bryan, not Zach Brown. So you snag tickets. You're going? Not yet. Oh. I'm like in the queue. Now you have to wait in a queue to figure out oh, if they're going to even like let you try to buy tickets. It's such a train wreck. But I was thinking about what an opportunity for Spotify oh, yeah. right now or other ticketing platforms in the age where people are really frustrated with like the ticket masters yeah. of the world to like just be super that, proactive yeah. about warning people. And then Revolve, Revolve, I also love you. I spend so much money close <laughs> with you. Here's what I would say is, is good and bad and left to be desired. The good, anytime I make a purchase from you, you are so good at the receiving process and warning me when my items are going to be delivered and that they've been delivered. It's perfect. The shipping is so fast and they do a really good job building anticipation of an item. Their returns are so easy and they email you when you do a return. I would say the bad is you often email me items I just purchased from you. So I might have just purchased an item, but for some reason, it's still sitting in my favorites. And then you continue to remind me to buy that item, even though I just purchased it. So that's a work on it. And then as something to be desired, I had like $200 in rewards waiting in my inbox. And I had no idea. I didn't even know I had rewards waiting. Tell me, I'll come right back in and shop immediately. No worries. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, the incentive around companies alerting you on award, rewards is something that I've thought a lot about. Del- 
I've never said a negative thing about Delta, but I had that recent experience where I had companion tickets that were expiring and I did not know that they were expiring. And I, I would think while certainly Delta, you know, a companion ticket is a very, very hefty kind of freebie. It's still forcing me to, I have to purchase some ticket in order to, to redeem it. So there's some incentive and I just kind of stumbled upon it all of a sudden. Oh crap, I have uh, these expiring and that's where an email or a push would have been, would have been amazing. So I think that's officially the first time I've ever offered any level of negative around Delta because every, they usually just nail everything. But that, you made me think of that when you were mentioning rewards, like just untapped rewards, Chick-fil-A. I have a reward program with Chick-fil-A. They've never sent me a push notification that says, you know, Hey, you have expiring awards, rewards. So that seems like a missed opportunity across the board. That's a good one. Yeah. And I think in the era where more consumers and especially younger consumers are expecting authenticity and brands that sort of take care of them, that's one where I get it. You may not want to alert people that they have money or free items to spend, but that's such a brand builder to say that these benefits are available. It is like such a good one. I'll give one more to Marriott, a good one. So I had one of the first and only terrible Marriott experiences with customer, like a customer service. I ended up basically missing a flight home because they messed up my shuttle time at four in the morning. And so at four in the morning, I was standing in a Marriott, like looking at the hotel desk guy, not have any idea how to get me to an airport on time. So I sent a little nasty gram, which I'm a little embarrassed about, sorry, (laughs) to that hotel. But they responded so fast with four authentic sounding, human sounding apology emails and a quick like fix. Cool to my account for that experience, I would say the subject lines could have used some work because I almost missed those emails in my busy inbox because they looked a little like spam with some brackets. But like, holy smokes, Marriott, very impressive. Yeah. Good job connecting your customer service back to your email. They were really nice. Awesome. Well, I feel better. We've complained a little bit. We, we <laughs> highlighted some good stuff. So this was like a good kind of uh, venting session. So good covering that. A lot of room to uh, improve in emails. But Definitely some winners out there. So, And if you're a brand where any of these like oofs or yays applied to you and you are looking for help, we would love to help. No judgment. This is what we do all day, every day is try to think about how to make all of these channels great and get the frequency right. And it is really challenging. Yeah. It's easy to act like all of these channels are, you know, kind of old news and they should be easy to have the right strategy and the right automation and personalization. But this stuff is, it's not easy. It's very hard to get right. Yeah. So we are here for you. If we called you out today, we, yeah, we would still love please don't be mad to lend us. a hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you have some of your own winners or maybe ones that... Lots to be desired. Yeah, there you left, go. Left, <laughs> left to be desired. Describe it. Yeah. Please share with us on LinkedIn or wherever. We'd love to... This is our passion. We love talking about these things. So look forward to hearing your feedback and we'll uh, see you soon. 